0: I've treated hundreds of patients and trained thousands of healthcare professionals over my 15-year career, and one thing I've learned through that experience is that most people are really confused about supplements, or they lack a clear strategy or plan for how to use supplements to improve their health. That's why I created Adapt Naturals. It's a supplement line designed to add back in what the modern world has squeezed out and help you feel and perform your best. Our ancestors' diets were rich in the essential vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients we need for optimal function. But today, thanks to declining soil quality, a growing toxic burden, and other challenges in the modern world, most of us are not getting enough of these critical nutrients. I formulated ADAPT Naturals using the principles of evolutionary biology and modern research to fill the nutrient gaps that we face today and replicate the nutrient intakes found in an optimal ancestral diet. Our flagship offering is called the Core Plus Bundle, a daily stack of five products that gives you everything you need each day, from essential vitamins and minerals like B12, folate, magnesium, and vitamin D, to phytonutrients like bioflavonoids, carotenoids, and beta-glucans. You can also order the products in the bundle separately if that works better for your needs. The Adapt Naturals products are made from the highest quality, food-based, or bioidentical ingredients. From cellular and immune health, to brain and nervous system support, to blood sugar and heart health, we've got you covered. Your supplement cupboard is about to get a lot smaller. We also created an app called Core Reset to help you get your nutrition, sleep, movement, and stress management dialed in. Because no matter how good our supplements are, and they are really good, you can't supplement yourself out of a bad diet and lifestyle. The best part is that you get this app at no additional cost when you order the Core Plus bundle. Head over to adaptnaturals.com, that's A-D-A-P-T naturals.com, to learn more and start feeling and performing your best. Hey everybody, Chris Kresser here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. Adrenal fatigue is a topic that's surrounded by misconceptions and misunderstanding. On one end of the spectrum, you have conventional doctors who insist that it's just a made-up condition and has no basis in reality. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who claim that everybody has adrenal fatigue and it always involves exhaustion of the adrenal glands and inability to produce cortisol. As you might suspect, both extremes are incorrect and the reality is much more nuanced. So I was excited to talk to Dr. Isabella Wentz about this. She is... Uh, You might already know of her as the thyroid pharmacist, Uh, she's an expert in Hashimoto's and has spent most of her career supporting people with Hashimoto's and and finding root cause and addressing it with a functional medicine approach. Over her career though, she noticed that a lot of her patients were struggling with HPA axis dysfunction or adrenal dysfunction. Uh, that became a major part of her work. It's helping to support people in addressing that issue, um, whether or not they had Hashimoto's. So she has a new book out called The Adrenal Transformation Protocol, and it's based on a program that she had developed online to support people uh, with HPA axis dysfunction. It's been very successful, and so she decided to turn it into a book. And I wanted to sit down with her and talk about the connection between adrenal dysfunction, and Hashimoto's and thyroid issues, and just the general population's experience of adrenal dysfunction in the United States and other developed countries where it's pretty much rampant. You know, Most people uh, who are listening to this have either are experiencing it, have experienced it, or will experience it at some point. So I think it's a really important topic, and uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you will too. Let's dive in. Dr. Isabella Wentz, it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Hey, Chris, so great to see you again. Thank you so much for having me back.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. So you are the thyroid pharmacist, but we're talking about adrenals. So (laughs) let's start with that. Uh, For those who have maybe not followed my work or your work for any length of time, why would we be talking about adrenals and the HPA axis, you know, against the backdrop of thyroid dysfunction?
1: Sure. So if I could start with my own personal story, when I first was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and how I kind of became the, you know, Hashimoto's expert slash human guinea pig was just trying to get myself to heal and feel well again and feel halfway human, right? Um, And I found that getting off of certain foods helped me tremendously with, with acid reflux and my bloating and IBS and all of these random symptoms that I didn't realize were connected. Yet I was still left with like fatigue, morning fatigue, especially, and brain fog, kind of like irritability, anxiety, sleep issues, unrestorative sleep, overwhelm, all of these symptoms. And everybody kept talking to me about like adrenal fatigue. And I was like, this doesn't exist. I'm a pharmacist. I would have learned about it in pharmacy school. And I Googled it. And of course, it was like, oh, no, no this isn't a real thing. It's not a real thing. It, I think it took like the 15th person that will like said it to me. And it happened to be a compounding pharmacist for whatever reason. I just was like, okay, I looked at, at it from a different lens. And I was like, okay, I do have all the symptoms. So let me just try this voodoo medicine stuff and see what happens. And sure enough, I got better. Right. And so my brain fog, my fatigue, anxiety, all of these things that improved, with utilizing like the things that worked for the thing that didn't exist right and i've found over time that most people with hashimotos with hypothyroidism with chronic fatigue syndrome and autoimmunity they do have some degree of adrenal dysfunction which is which is more of the scientifically accurate term we can we can get into the semantics throughout the uh, the interview if you'd like but more than 90% of the people that i tested that i was working with they had this adrenal dysfunction. And part of what was happening for them is they would get started on thyroid hormones and feel a little bit better. And then all of a sudden they'd have more fatigue, right? The thing that can happen with thyroid hormones is that they can unmask an underlying issue with not having enough cortisol on board. When we are hypothyroid, our body makes adaptations for us. And it'll say, let's slow down cortisol clearance to give you at least some sort sort of energy. Yeah, it might be like a wired anxious, like I've had too much coffee energy, but it's something, right? And that's what happens when we are hypothyroid. When we bring in thyroid hormone, that cortisol clearance increases, right? And so then a person will might be left over with not, not actually producing enough cortisol at the right times throughout the day. And so that's kind of like one, one part of what I've been seeing is like, just about everybody that has a thyroid condition needs to work on their adrenals. And then on the flip side, I've had some people come to me and they're like, I know you're, you know, the Hashimoto's expert and you specialize in thyroid. I have a thyroid issue yet. Nobody has ever diagnosed it. They don't have thyroid antibodies. They don't have quote unquote, a thyroid condition or thyroid disease, they have all the symptoms and it turns out that it's their adrenals, right? And so when we have, um, a lot of stress in our lives, this can send too much reverse T3 into our body where that can block thyroid hormone receptors. And then our active T3 isn't able to get into those receptors and activate them. So we can have this kind of thyroid condition and thyroid symptoms without actually having a thyroid condition just because of our adrenals being affected. And so I really wanted to focus on the adrenals because this is something that most people with thyroid issues need to do. A lot of people with just being stuck in a chronic stress response also can really benefit from optimizing their adrenal function.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I I think the conversation around adrenal fatigue uh, has, first of all, even that term Adrenal fatigue, which uh, is, I think, a misnomer and is, is part of what generated a lot of resistance to, amongst endocrinologists and people in the medical field because they knew that in most cases, when people say that, you know, when are, are diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, it's not actually true that their adrenals are fatigued and unable to produce cortisol. It's that the upstream glands, like the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the thyroid, are not sending the right signals and that the truth is much more nuanced. It's really the the we call it the HPTGA axis with the hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, gonads, and adrenals. But of course, that doesn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> and so I think you get, you know, adrenal fatigue is the term that gets thrown around a lot and unfortunately has caused a lot of misconception. So how do you look at this dysfunction, and is it the same in everybody? Is is what? Is, what are? What's the range of variation of how people can experience this? Can people diagnose themselves without any testing, just based on their symptoms? Those are some of the questions that um, you know people often have about this topic.
1: Sure, and so there's very, very like symptoms that are very suggestive that your adrenals might be not producing the right amounts of cortisol at the right time throughout the day. And it's not because they're not able to, right? It's because there's a communication breakdown between our brain and our adrenal glands. And a lot of times it has to do with feeling overwhelmed, feeling irritable, not being connected to the circadian rhythm. So people will wake up kind of groggy. They might wake up and not be like, where am I? Like, who am I? What am I doing here? They wake up late. They have trouble getting out of bed. They might have brain fog and sluggishness during the daytime hours, or they might just be super irritable, super edgy. They might kind of like jump out of bed and feel um, like everything around them, everybody's moving too slow, everybody's annoying, right? They might have various things throughout their day, such as like the 3 p.m. crash, where at three o'clock, all of a sudden, they just really wanna take a nap or they're really angry or everybody around them is really annoying, They might be the people that have trouble falling asleep at night because they get a second wind, despite being tired all day. They might be people that wake up in the middle of the night. They might be people that are sleeping, you know, 10 to 12 hours a night, but their sleep is unrefreshed the kind of thing I used to do is I used to work with people with testing their adrenal function. We would do things like adrenal saliva test or the Dutch test, which I think you actually introduced me to um, back in the day. And we can see definite patterns of of various abnormalities. And some people, I would say maybe in the early stages, they'll have, um, and there's so many patterns we can get onto the, the nuances, but the most common patterns that I've seen are like just too much cortisol all day. And this is the person that's like super edgy, super wired, right? Like you you feel like you had four rock red Bulls and like you're a rock star, but everybody around you is just like moving way too slow. Um, and then we have the cortisol roller coaster, where somebody might start off with high cortisol in the morning, but it dips too quickly and then they get that three pm crash. And rather than um, the cortisol healthy curve is like, good cortisol in the morning. And then we kind of go down this gradual slide. It'll dip and then it'll raise up again in the evenings. And you're like, this is supposed to be your winding down rest time, but you're like edgy and you've got all these things on your mind and you just can't fall asleep. Then um, as that can progress for some people where they will actually have a drop in the morning cortisol, so they'll wake up tired and have be like sluggish all throughout the day until the afternoon. And again, they can't sleep in the evenings. Um, and then another pattern, and this is the pattern that unfortunately I've seen in the majority of the clients that I've come to work with, with Hashimoto's and autoimmunity is the kind of burnout flatlined adrenal phase where they start off with low cortisol in the morning, even though it's supposed to be, you know, relatively high. And then it's just very low all throughout the day. And even in the evenings, it's low and sleep just fine and they're like i'm sleeping i'm sleeping so much but i'm still tired and i wake up tired go to bed tired i wake up tired so there's definitely different patterns that it could present with depending um on what point of the healing journey the person is on at what point they're diagnosed
0: yeah that's been my experience as well and it you know there's never a one-size-fits-all approach in, and and that's especially true with hpa axis dysfunction you can see all different types. And I would, I would agree, like, I think, if you look at statistics and research, the most common is just elevated cortisol. Um, that's, you know, you could say that that's a cultural affliction. Um, that it's, it's so common that it's probably more common than not. And then if that tends to go along with obesity and, di- you know, and, and metabolic dysfunction, which are, of course, extremely common now. Um, But then, as you mentioned, with with Hashimoto's or or with people who are, you know, let's say the quintessential archetype for this in my practice would be a a mom who's busy with kids and also working outside of the home and maybe doing CrossFit three three or four times a week and not eating enough uh, generally and maybe has an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's or another one and is just really stressed out then that that is often like a flatline, you know, cortisol type of situation where it's just really, they just feel like they're dragging themselves through the day <laughs> for the most part. So how does this relate to thyroid function in your mind? Like is is it a chicken and egg situation where you know they just reinforce each other? Is there is one more of a root cause than the other, such that you know significant adrenal or dysfunction or hPA dysfunction then increases the the risk of autoimmunity or or you know deepens or exacerbates existing autoimmunity, or the other way around, where autoimmunity itself is a stressor on the system and can influence and worsen hPA axis dysfunction
1: sure, and I, I think the body's always in a feedback system, right? So one thing impacts the other and both situations can be absolutely true where the autoimmunity is a source of inflammation and that can be an impact on the HPA axis. But I will say that the majority of the people that I talk to and that I work with, I'll ask them, what was going on in your life before you got sick? And most of them will say, I was going through a significant period of stress in my life. So I personally believe and there's some research that supports the stress comes before the autoimmunity and that stress can be a really impactful trigger and that HPA acts as dysfunction can be a really impactful trigger for autoimmunity. And in my experience, like you said, most healthy volunteers, quote unquote, or people without a diagnosis, they might have higher levels of cortisol if they don't get to the root cause of why they're, body is stuck in a stress state then they may end up and progress into an autoimmune condition or something like chronic fatigue syndrome where their cortisol output is just flatlined so um that that's my personal theory and of course chicken or the egg our body is always um you know there's always feedback loops within the body but personally i i my hope is if we can catch people like in the early stages of the HPA axis dysfunction will be able to prevent so many cases of autoimmunity.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think we have a habit in conventional medicine of, you know, looking at the body as just a big collection of parts that are not related to one another in any way. And even how the system is set up, right? You go to you know, gastroenterologist to talk about your gut health, you go to an endocrinologist to talk about your hormones, you go to a cardiologist to talk about your heart. In theory, the primary care provider is supposed to be playing the role of like quarterback and just making sure that all of those pieces are integrated. But in practice, that rarely happens. And there's rarely any view like you just shared of of how all of these things are connected, which, which of course they are. And the funny thing is, most most people, just average people with zero medical training, know that <laughs> intuitively. <laughs> they can tell you from their own experience how it's all connected, uh, even when their doctor is insisting <laughs> that it's not connected. So, speaking of myths or you know um, maybe conventional ideas, um, let's talk a little bit about treatment. The common advice with adrenal fatigue. I'm doing air quotes there (laughs) uh, for those that are just listening is, you know, quit caffeine, sleep more, uh, and maybe take some DHEA. And that's, you know, a good approach for pretty much everybody, regardless of what the situation is. So what do you think about that?
1: so sure and i think that's a step in the right direction is just to think about lifestyle i feel like conventional doctors will say like it doesn't even exist like it's all in your head go to a psychiatrist right so if you can get to maybe like an old school integrative doc they'll be they'll give you some of these strategies or a naturopath perhaps give you some hormones i know i was initially trained in using like pregnenolone and dhea and sometimes Um, I've had clients where hydrocortisone, there were protocols that I was familiar with that uh, where you would give the body like some doses of what it wasn't making at the right times to try to reestablish that pattern. And I feel like that can work really well for some people. Um, It does take some time to work. And I do recommend working with a practitioner that knows how to use hormones not just like taking them over the counter and seeing what happens. Um, But there are risks to that, right? So there are risks with like DHEA over-converting into something that makes us grow chin hair. Um, I've I've had that personal experience, so so I could share proudly about that. Um, But otherwise, it can also work on, you know, fueling estrogen dominance and any kind of cancers that are, you know, fueled by estrogen. And it's just not the best fit for everybody. And then we focus on like the caffeine elimination. So yes, caffeine can absolutely kind of make things worse. It can make make us not being able to, we can't sleep as well if we're drinking too much caffeine, right? And we don't go into that uh, resting state. But what I've noticed is that a lot of people, they will be drinking caffeine to self-medicate, right? because they're trying to get that energy in the morning and they're so tired. And same goes with like drinking wine in the evenings. People that tend to have that like higher cortisol in the evenings, they're like, huh, I'm gonna have a little bit of wine and that'll help me wind down, that'll help me fall asleep better at night. So a lot of times when I started working with clients, I'd be like, "I I figured out your problem. You drink too much coffee and too much wine boom, take that away. And you're going to be full of energy. You're going to be able to sleep at night. And they, they would, you know, they would follow what I said and they'd be like, yeah, I quit everything. But like, now I'm like, I'm still tired throughout the day and I'm still having trouble waking up at night. Right. I can't sleep at night. I'm having frequent night wakings. And then it was just like a big aha moment for me. Like, wait a minute, people are self-medicating with that. Um, And yes, these strategies are great, but a lot of times we actually need to get somebody's energy levels up. And there's a root cause of why their energy levels are so depleted before we ask them to quit caffeine, right? Or we want to work on their sleep and the root causes of why they're so sleep deprived rather than just being like, Hey, get more sleep, right? Like it's so easy just to tell somebody to get more sleep, but it's not, not realistic for everybody. Or some people might have barriers to that, that are um, that are within their body or within their environment, right?
0: If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I'm a super active guy. Depending on the time of year, I'm either skiing, mountain biking, hiking, backpacking, surfing, or lifting weights on most days of the week. I also live in a really dry climate at high elevation. For these reasons, I pay a lot of attention to hydration. I've learned the hard way what happens when I get dehydrated, and I know how important hydration is to overall health. But hydration isn't just about drinking water, it's about water plus electrolytes. This is where Element comes in. It's a combination of electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and magnesium in easy to use individual packets that you just add right to your water bottle. And unlike most electrolyte products on the market, Element is free of sugar and artificial junk. I drink Element every day and it's made a huge difference in how I feel. Even with my training and profession, I don't think I realized how often I was dehydrated before I made Element part of my daily routine. If you'd like to try it, the folks at Element have an exclusive offer for my podcast listeners. You can get a free sample pack with one of each of the eight flavors Element sells when you purchase any Element product. This is perfect for anyone who wants to try all of the flavors or who wants to introduce a friend to Element. Just go to cresserco slash Element. That's L-M-N to place an order and take advantage of this offer. Vitamin C is a critical nutrient for immune function and antioxidant protection. Yet most people don't get enough in their diet and most vitamin C supplements contain synthetic forms, GMO, sugar, or allergens like soy or corn. This is why I recommend whole food forms of vitamin C which contain the full spectrum of vitamin C activity without GMOs or other junk. And my favorite whole food vitamin C product is Essential C from Paleo Valley. It's made with three of the most potent vitamin C-rich superfoods on the planet, one of which is 120 times more potent than an orange. Nothing synthetic, no weird questionable ingredients, just food. Right now, they're offering my community an exclusive 15% off discount. Just go to paleovalley.com Chris and use the code CRESSER15 to get 15% off. I've been writing and speaking about the harms of industrial seed oils for years. They're an enormous problem. They've been linked to widespread health and environmental issues, and yet they're in almost everything we eat. Zero Acre is here to change that. Their cultured oil is an all-purpose cooking oil with over 90% heart-healthy and heat-stable monounsaturated fats. In fact, it has more monounsaturated fat than even olive and avocado oil, and it has a much higher smoke point and a clean neutral taste, which makes it perfect for everything from cooking and baking to salad dressings. I use it to cook my eggs in the morning, uh, ground beef, uh, pretty much anything that I'm gonna cook that might have a higher smoke point and that I don't want the oil to have an impact on the taste of the food. It's become one of my favorite cooking oils and since it's made by fermentation, it has a 10 times smaller environmental footprint than other vegetable oils. I'm a huge fan of this product. I think you'll love it as well. And Zero Acre is offering our listeners free shipping on their first order. So go to zeroacre.com Chris or use the code Chris at checkout to claim this deal. That's Z-E-R-O-A-C-R-E.com Chris. Uh, Speaking of that, um, and just the sort of uh, distribution of this condition, how it differs demographically in the population, in my experience and from what I've seen of the literature, this does seem to be a constellation of issues if you combine thyroid, adrenal, and autoimmunity that disproportionately affect women. It's not to say that men aren't affected, they definitely are, but... um, it's it's a problem that does appear to affect women more than men. So uh, has that been your experience, number one? And number two, what's, what's your take on that?
1: So definitely, and I work, with, full disclosure, I work primarily with women. So I would say 90% of my clients have been women, right? Um, but the literature does support that, that it does tend to be women who are more sensitive to our environment. So they're going to be the ones that are going to have Higher rates of HPA axis dysfunction, they're going to have higher rates of Hashimoto's and higher rates of autoimmunity. And again, not to say that this doesn't happen to men, but I feel like women are just more tuned into the environment. And my my personal theory on that is, you know, there's there's a lot of things that that can play a role. So women wear um, more makeup with toxins, for example, and, and estrogen can be a hormone um, that can impact everything within our body, right? So just those, those are just kind of some of the differences and women uh, way less. So they may be more susceptible to toxins in general compared to men. And we have a different metabolic profile, like so many things, right? What I've sort of found as kind of the unifying theory for that is that women tend to be more tuned into the environment because we're the ones that um, that are going to be caring and bringing new life into the world, right? And so we have to be super tuned into that. And for our species and the survival of our, our species, probably not good to be like pregnant and caring for a newborn when you're in a famine or when you're in a war or, or there's something going on in the world. And what like adrenal dysfunction does, thyroid issues and autoimmunity, what they do is they prevent us from being like vibrant and out in the world. A lot of these conditions do suppress libido. They suppress um, fertility, reproduction, so on and so forth. And they they also, um, with thyroid and adrenal specifically conditions, they also impact our metabolism. So in a way, I feel like it's the body's adaptation to tr- to helping us survive, right? So, you know, we're over here being like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm trying to lose a few pounds, so I'm not going to eat enough. And I'm going to get on the treadmill where our genes are saying like, Hey girl, I see that um, I'm picking up that you're in a state of a famine because you're not eating and you must be running away from all of these crazy warriors. Cause you're always running on this treadmill, right? Girl, don't worry. I gotcha. We're going to slow down the metabolism. So you're not going to need as much calories to get you by and so that's what happens a lot of times in the women that i work with is like their metabolism is super slow and the thyroid and the adrenals can slow that down and i personally think it's our body's way of trying to adapt to stress right and back in our um when our genes first were evolving we weren't like we weren't aware that like stress could come from like the television set or from work deadlines. It was all about like survival. It was like, you're either being chased by a bear or you're not right. Or you're either in a famine or there's food that's available to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point, One that I've talked about a lot, um, but it's, I think uh, a lot of people don't really fully understand the binary nature of our stress response system and how, significant, the impacts are of being in a chronic stress response, uh, where, as you just described very well, w- when the fight or flight response is activated, the, e- the easiest way to think about it is uh, the body's prioritizing everything that's required for immediate short-term survival. That made sense in a in an ancestral environment where our lives were literally at risk when we were in the fight or flight reaction. And I mean certainly that is true in some places still, depending on the circumstances. But you know, thinking about your 401k or, you know, having a an argument with a coworker or something like that that triggers fight or flight now is usually not life-threatening, but the body still responds in that same way where it's triaging and prioritizing short-term survival. And deprioritizing anything that is required for long-term health and well-being, and even reproduction, as you as you pointed out, like if if if, the bo- if you're in a really stressful situation, that's not sending what you you call safety signals to the body and and telling the body, oh, this is a, a safe nurturing environment to to bring a child into. Um, so, let's talk about how to work with that, since. Most people do experience stress in their lives. It's not something that, it, that necessarily everybody can just eliminate <laughs> entirely, uh, or even desirable to eliminate entirely, because stress helps us to adapt and grow. Um, but if people are experiencing harmful impacts of that stress, what are some steps they can take to send those safety signals to their body?
1: Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm a big proponent of like feeling into what's going on in your world and no, it's like, you can't live in a monastery and meditate 12 hours a day. And obviously, you know, you wouldn't grow, you wouldn't change if you hadn't had stress and stress helps us with building resilience. But at the same time, we want to think about like, what are the messages we're currently sending to our body by our daily actions And if let's say we're skipping meals, we're not eating um, foods that are compatible with our bodies, that are foods that are inflammatory, we are undernourished, we don't have enough nutrients in our bodies, that's gonna be a stress signal, right? Blood sugar imbalances, these are gonna be stress signals. And then like a lot of pressure, a lot of deadlines, sleep deprivation, psychological stress, these are all stress stress signals. And so we wanna counter that with some safety signals and I kind of developed this plan when I was um when my son was 8 months old and he was waking up every 2 to 3 hours and I found myself with like flatlined adrenals again after recovering my health you know many years prior to that and I was like I can't take hormones man I'm not quitting coffee like I just started drinking coffee and it's really helpful right now and I'm like I can't sleep I'm taking care of my son in the middle of the night right that's kind of what a mom's got to do And so I was like, I can't sleep and I can't, I can't do any of these things. These are the things I have to work with, right? I have to work with sleep deprivation at this moment. So what can I do? And I just focused on sending my body enough of the safety signals so that the messaging was like more balanced, right? Because if you have 10 danger signals and one or two safety signals, then your body is going to shift into that fight or flight mode. But if you have enough of the safety signals throughout the day and at nighttime, then you're going to be able to shift more into the thriving state. And so, um, so I do sleep now. I sleep like, you know, nine to ten hours, and my son sleeps like ten to twelve hours. But we gotta take, we gotta work with with, with what we have. Like, there's always going to be stressors in our life. And so, I really focus in on blood sugar balance, making sure that you're eating nutrient dense foods, utilizing some of the supplements and nutrients that get burned when you're in a stressed out state. So like B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, electrolytes. These are just some really foundational things that people can do to help themselves feel more balanced and utilizing nutrients that support mitochondrial function. That's another thing. Our mitochondria are super tuned into our environment. And whenever they're they're sensing stress or danger, they're not going to be working as well. So I really focus on things like that from like a foundational nutrition standpoint, um, making sure we're spending time in nature. And um, probably one of the favorite things that people love is focusing on pleasurable activities and really building that within your routine um, rather than doing things like you don't enjoy, right?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, pleasure and fun is an antidote to stress because I think when a lot of people think about stress management or stress reduction. They might think exclusively of things like meditation or you know, deep breathing or Tai Chi or yoga, Qigong, something like that, which of course are all fantastic for stress reduction. Um, but they might not think that watching a funny movie or you know, going playing with their kid in the backyard or you know doing something that's just purely pleasurable and enjoyable is is actually, having an impact on stress. So say more about that.
1: Sure. And I think many of us, I know I'm our age, we're kind of in that sandwich generation where we've got like little kids to look after or children in general and perhaps elderly parents. And we can find ourselves between like work and caring for other people where there's not a lot of opportunity um, to actually focus on doing things for the simple pleasure of doing them. So I want some of the exercises that I have the women and men that go through my program focus on is just like making a list of things that you enjoy and take a piece of paper divide it in half on one side, write down what makes you feel worse on the other side, write down what makes you feel better. And this can be a really major shift for you, for how you feel, how you show up in the world, what your energy looks like what read this amazing quote, and it talked about how people who are fatigued and don't have enough energy, it's not because of all the things that they're doing, but sometimes it's because they're not doing the right things to fuel their energy levels. And I couldn't agree more with that. Um, a lot of my my clients will say things like spending time in nature, having time to connect with friends, um, Epsom salt baths, or um, creating art just for the sake of creating it. These are all wonderful things that we can do that could shift us into more of like parasympathetic resting, digesting, relaxing, healing state and really shift us away from like, I've got a to-do list and this is stressful for me. So this is actually a really big part of the program in addition to utilizing nutrients and supplements and food, which we all love, but like, incorporating like small doses of pleasure into your day-to-day life.
0: So you mentioned the program a couple of times, just for those who might not be familiar with it, uh, the Adrenal Transformation Protocol, which is the name of the book. Is that also the, the name of the program? And and what does that look like in terms of, you know, how, how long it is and what what kind of commitment? You know, just walk us through it a little bit.
1: Sure. So I initially developed the Adrenal Transformation Program, and the you may notice the abbreviation is ATP. If you're if you're a nerd, <laughs> um, we really focus, you know, utilizing creating energy in the body, and it's a four week program. And the book has all of the same information that the program does, so it's evolved out of the program. And we, the amazing thing is, when I used to work with people and focusing on utilizing hormones or Um, even some of the lifestyle things, it would take like three months, sometimes two years to rebalance their stress response and rebalance their symptoms. With this program, people are seeing a major difference in like three to four weeks of just committing to, I'm gonna eat blood sugar balanced. I'm gonna utilize a few supplements to support my stress response. I'm gonna incorporate pleasurable activities into my routine. I'm gonna be focusing on just really putting my body into that in that rest, digest, and heal state that helps to build the body back up. And it just takes three to four weeks to see results.
0: Great. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I know, you know, in my experience, this can turn around pretty quickly, um, which is sometimes hard to envision if you've been struggling for a long time and it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, uh, but the good news is that it, it can change relatively quickly. And and three to four weeks to get some results is just off in the beginning. You know, that the, the results will typically accumulate over time as you stick with a program like this, which is, of course, great news. Um, and on the flip side, my experience has also been that people who... And when I say people, I include myself and pretty much everybody I know. Like the behavior patterns that get us into HPA axis dysfunction don't tend to just disappear. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a process, continual process of examining our relationship with our life and the and the our work and the people around us. And you know it's it it can be easy to this is a caveat that I'll often. Provide to my patients. The scenario is like this okay, somebody has pretty significant HPA axis dysfunction, adrenal dysfunction, they're really tired out of it. They start doing a program like this. A couple weeks later, they start feeling a lot better. So then, all of a sudden, they're like going crazy with activities and you know working out a lot and you know staying up late with all of their newfound energy, and then they're right back to where they started, or maybe even worse they cra- you know they crash because they overdid it too soon. Is that something you've seen in your work with people, and how do you counsel people to avoid that?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and full disclosure, I'm people as well so i <laughs> that happened to me when I had um, Hashimoto's, and I was chronically fatigued for so many years, and I got my energy back, and I was like, woohoo, I'm making up for lost time. I'm going to take over the world, right? And then you can kind of get yourself in the same patterns where um, you burn yourself out again. And so a big part of my program, too, is focuses on building resilience, right? And I have a whole section on that where we focus on some of the underlying patterns, like Let's say, you know, one of the things I recommend is doing gratitude every morning and positive affirmations and sending all these beautiful safety signals to yourself. But like when you just do that, but you have underlying trauma that you're walking around with that tells you that you are, you know, that you're not worth anything in the world unless you're super productive or unless you're working at your max or so on and so forth, whatever the messaging, the negative, um, Nancy's we have in our brains saying all those naughty things to us. And then we're going to just kind of get ourselves into the same patterns. Right? So I really focus on figuring out what your triggers are and what your traumas might be. And so you could work on processing them. There are a lot of fabulous ways to overcome them. Um, you know, one of, one of my triggers was I have a brother who's like six, two, he's older than me. And he's like, you know, into martial arts. And I was, I'm like a foot smaller. I was always the younger sister. And so I got this message that I'm not strong and I can't do things. And, you know, you're little, you're not strong. And so that kind of led me to push myself and to prove that I was strong, even at times where maybe I shouldn't have been strong and maybe I should have asked for help. Right. So really working to heal those kind of underlying patterns that I would say most of us have, right? Um, Can be extremely, extremely healing and liberating. And it's like lifting a huge weight off of our shoulders and we don't get triggered as easily. And we're able to just be more relaxed and present and be more into that like healing, resting, digesting state rather than in that fight or flight or I need to prove myself, I need to be strong. So we focus a lot on that. Like, how do you make your mind more resilient and how do you deal with with stressors? Because we all have them, right?
0: For sure. Not not going to avoid it. And again, not even desirable to avoid it. That This concept of eustress, meaning (laughs) E-U, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, that's how it's spelled means positive stress, like a a stress, like we wouldn't have evolved as a species if we didn't have stressors that we had to overcome, that that's just part of being human. Um, And anything that is worth doing is often going to come with stress and difficulty and challenge. So we're not saying you need to eliminate stress from your life, which is an unrealistic and not even desirable goal, but just uh, these ways that we can bring more balance into our lives and help mitigate the harmful, you know, the potentially harmful impacts of stress that we can't avoid. That's what this is really about. So, uh, Isabella, this has been s- super interesting and helpful. I'm really excited about your book, Adrenal Transformation Protocol. I would wager that virtually everybody listening to this is experiencing the the syndrome that you describe, at least to some extent, or has experienced it, or, you know, is at some stage along the process and again myself included it's something we're always you know most of us are always working with to some degree or another Um, so where can people learn more about the book and the program and your work in general
1: sure so my book is available on amazon and barnes and noble wherever fine books are sold my website is thyroidpharmacist.com and I have a guide at thyroidpharmacist.com slash ABC that talks about some of the different elements of um, restoring the function, the optimal function of your stress response. And um, I'm on social media as well. So find me there.
0: Fantastic. Well, I've always appreciated your balanced approach to thyroid and Hashimoto's. Um, and I am ex- I was excited to see that you were taking tackling this subject because it's very important as we've discussed. So thanks again.
1: Thank you so much for Chris, for having me on. And thank you for all the wonderful that work that you've been doing over the years and helping and empowering people to take charge of their health. Uh, you helped me on my thyroid journey um, so much. And um, you've just been doing a fabulous job helping the world. So thank you.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please keep sending your questions in to com slash podcast question. And we'll see you next time. When I find a company that I love and I think you'll love, I do my best to support it and help it grow. Sometimes that means just getting the word out through my podcast, emails and social media channels. And other times that means investing in the company or joining their advisory board. If you're hearing this message, it means that I'm either an investor or advisory board member of a company that is mentioned in this podcast episode. I only invest in or advise companies with a mission and products that I truly believe in. And I hope you benefit from learning more about them and how their products can improve your life. That's the end of this episode of Revolution Health Radio. If you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscressor.com slash You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash or facebook.com slash L A C. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.